these transmissions indicate some intelligent life. Let us move in for a closer look. Imagine you lived a long time ago, and you're a mother with a son. This is a time before germs were common knowledge. People got sick and they died and no one knew why. One day your child, for all practical purposes, is given a death sentence. It's these germs that many people still don't believe in that has gotten into his body from a dog's vicious bite. There's a man that may have the answer to save your child, but his cure has never been tested on a human being. It's new, it's experimental, and it may be dangerous. Today I tell the story of Joseph Meyer, his mother, a rabid dog, and one of the fathers of germ theory, Louis Pasteur, on the 199th episode of Sunday Morning Coffee with Jeff. Sunday morning to you. My name is Jeff, and for the next half an hour or so, I'll be your storyteller. For those new to the show, my name is Jeff, and I spend about two weeks researching a topic that I would like to know more about, and then I write it into a hopefully entertaining story for all that want to listen. Well, I hope everybody's doing well. Are you still living in isolation from the rest of the world? You know, I've been working from home for about two months now, and you know what? It's just fine. But I know I'm one of the lucky ones. I know it's tough for many. And not just those who have COVID-19 or those who lost family members due to this thing, but also those that have lost their income. I know there's some people who think we should open things up again and perhaps before it's safe to do so. And I get that. The economy is important too. I just wish there was an easy answer because I don't have one. But let's move on. Today I'm telling the story of Joseph Miser, a nine-year-old boy who was the first person to be given a rabies vaccine. This is a story I've had on my list for years. And, you know, during the week, stories usually pop up and I say to myself, yes, I want to know more about this. But this is one of those weeks where no story popped up. So I turned to my list and Joseph Meyer was on the top of it. So that's what you're going to hear today. And, of course, there's more to the story than I have here. There are many books on Louis Pasteur that you can read if you want to know more. And a lot of details of the story vary depending on whose version you're listening to. I picked the versions that I thought were right. And to be honest, my goal with the show is to tell an entertaining story that is as close to the truth as I can make it. So if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of entertainment. One last thing before we get started, this story is about a vaccine, and I know a lot of people these days have very strong opinions on vaccines, and to be honest, I don't want to hear it. So if you're going to leave a comment, don't don't make it political, all right? Anyway, it's time to get on with it. The story of one nasty dog attack. Dust. It's harmless enough, or so it seems. But each one of these particles carries a germ. Some have no effect on us whatsoever, but others are the cause of our most deadly diseases. <laughs> Come now, Monsieur Pasteur. Are we to believe that some tiny invisible creature is strong enough to kill a human being? 
Yes. We are born with disease, Mr. Pasteur. It's inside us. Then suddenly, without reason, it bursts into life. Spontaneous generation is an old idea, Doctor. And a bad one. Joseph Meisner was a nine-year-old boy when he was attacked by Mr. Theodore Vaughn's dog. The date was July 4th, 1885, and, depending on whose version of the story you read, he was either on an errand to a brewery in Alsace, France, to buy yeast for his father, who needed the yeast for baking, or was on his way to school. The dog jumped him, and the boy fell to the ground. He did his best to cover his face from the teeth of the vicious animal. A locksmith who had witnessed the encounter came running over with an iron bar and began beating the dog. The animal soon ran off and returned to its owner, Grocer Theodore Vaughn, and proceeded to bite him on the arm. Soon after, the dog was shot by either the police or by Vaughn himself. Joseph was bitten 12 to 14 times in the right hand, thigh, and legs. The man who had helped chase off the dog helped the boy up. The boy was covered with blood and saliva. The Vons, Theodore and his wife, took the boy in, cleaned his wounds, and washed his clothes. They sent somebody out to the store to buy the yeast the boy had been after and also gave Joseph some money to buy candy. The young boy was then sent on his way to walk the two kilometers home. My wounds hurt terribly, he later said. I had to sit down on the grassy banks on the side of the road almost every ten meters. Vaughn took the dog to a veterinarian who did an autopsy. They found straw, hay, and fragments of wood in the animal's stomach. These were characteristic signs of rabies, so it was the medical expert's opinion that the dog had the disease. This was at a time when rabies was pretty much a death sentence. The dying of rabies was a horribly painful way to go. Now, in these days, many called rabies hypophobia because even though the sick had a tremendous thirst, they also developed a fear of water. Rabies' other symptoms include violent movements, uncontrollable excitement, an inability to move parts of the body, confusion, and a loss of consciousness. And once these symptoms appeared, it always led to death. When Joseph returned home, his parents brought him to a local doctor, Eugene Weber, who treated the boy by cleaning and cauterizing the wounds in a horribly painful process that used carbolic acid. That night, Theodore Vaughn, who was feeling tremendous remorse over what had happened, was in a cafe waiting for a coach to take him home. He began to tell others of what had happened that day. Someone told him of a man in Paris who was developing a rabies cure. The man was in his 60s, and his name was Louis Pasteur. Quickly, he went back to the miser home and relayed the information. The next morning, Vaughn, Joseph, and his mother were on a train to make the hard 165-kilometer journey to France. Joseph's father stayed at home to take care of the couple's other children. On July 6th, they found the laboratory of Louis Pasteur. Pasteur examined Vaughn's arm, where the dog had bitten him, and saw that the dog hadn't broken the skin, just caused some bruising. He assured Vaughn that he had nothing to worry about and sent him home. Joseph and his mother were given a place to stay at the former Rollins College near Pasteur's laboratory. They could stay there inexpensively, and Pasteur could keep an eye on the boy. The next day, Pasteur met with a professor of medicine named Alfred Vopien, 
They talked about the boy, and it was Vopian's opinion that, if the boy had rabies, his only chance of survival was Pasteur's experimental treatment. It had only been used on dogs up till now, so using it on a boy wasn't an easy decision for Pasteur. Now, Louis Pasteur was a French biologist, microbiologist, and chemist who was often called one of the fathers of germ theory. By the time Joseph and his mother had entered his lab, Pasteur was already an accomplished scientist. He had made significant discoveries in crystallography, fermentation, and pasteurization, and helped disprove the idea of spontaneous generation. Louis, and I don't think he would mind me calling him Louis, was born on December 27, 1822 in Dull, France. He grew up poor in Arbois, France. His parents believed in education. His father, a tanner, thought that proper schooling was the key to escape his humble life. But Louis, as a youth, didn't have much interest in science or learning, but spent his days fishing and painting. It was said that even though he studied diligently, it was without much passion, and he showed no signs of the genius that would come later. He was a very sensitive youth who agonized at any type of suffering of man or beast. He was raised by his father to have a passion for duty, industry, and patriotism. Like his father, he developed a strong will to do what was right. Many thought, much to the anger of his father, he was to be an artist. But then, when he was around 13 years old, everything changed. It was at this time that he suddenly began getting interested, almost obsessed, with learning, with science. It was at the École Normale Supérieure, one of the most selective and prestigious graduate schools in Paris, France, that he excelled. And I apologize for using wiki pronounce for that. I could not say the name of that college correctly. Anyway, he both took classes and taught classes and eventually ended up with a Master of Science degree. From that time until he met Joseph Meisner, he had accomplished so much groundbreaking work that I couldn't possibly list them all here. Now, in the 1800s, rabies, or what was known back then as hypophobia, was a big problem. When an infected animal bit someone, the only option they had was to cauterize the wounds with a red-hot iron and hope for the best. Pasteur decided to take on this problem. After all, he solved the anthrax problem in cattle and sheep. The story goes that Louis had witnessed the problem of rabies as a child. The village that he lived in had a problem with a rabid wolf, which attacked many people. He never forgot the sounds of the shouts and screams from the blacksmith shop of the people getting their wounds cauterized. At least eight people in his village had died from the horrific disease. And then sometime in the late 1880s, he witnessed the death of a five-year-old girl who had been infected. René Valérie Radeau, his son-in-law, who wrote a biography on Pasteur, said, The unfortunate little patient presented all the characteristics of hypophobia, spasms, restlessness, shudders at the last breath of air, a powerful thirst accompanied by an absolute impossibility of swallowing, convulsive movements, fits of furious rage. Not one symptom was absent. The child died 24 hours after the horrible suffering suffocated by the mucus which filled the mouth. It might have been seeing this child's death that got him into his research. Also, at the time, many still didn't believe in the theory of germs. 
If he were able to create a vaccine for rabies, it would prove once and for all that there is a microorganism, too small to be seen with the naked eye, that can make people sick or even kill. He took the work started by a French doctor, who was now his assistant, Emile Rowe. By this time, Pasteur was in his 60s and in poor health, having previously suffered a stroke that left him paralyzed on the left side of his body. He tired easily and walked with a limp. He began with taking the saliva from the unfortunate child he saw die and injecting it into some rabbits. Within 36 hours, the rabbits were dead. He knew that whatever was causing the disease could be transferred through saliva. Checking the blood of those rabbits, he found a microorganism he believed was the cause. He then took saliva from a rabid dog with a glass tube while his two assistants held the beast down. He injected it into several pigs and all the pigs developed rabies. One of the main problems was it could take months for an infected dog to show symptoms. When he found that the incubation period for a rabbit was only 18 days, it sped up his research. He took the saliva from the rabid dog and injected it into some rabbits. Once the rabbits developed the disease, he extracted their spinal cord fluid and let it dry out. This was made into an extract. Sure enough, when he gave it to some dogs, it cured rabies. Now, of course, it's a bit more complicated than all that. After all, it took Pasteur and his team five years to come up with a cure. Feel free to look up how to make a rabies vaccine if you were so inclined. The thing is, Pasteur came up with a vaccine he believed would work. There's a quick side note to Pasteur's experiments with animals, especially dogs. He had a tough time dealing with it. He always felt sympathy for the animal. Often when needles were needed to be used on the dogs, he would leave and let his assistant take care of it. Amelia Rowe wrote that he had a great horror of inflicting suffering on any animal. But now he had his new vaccine, yet Louis Pasteur was hesitant about trying his new vaccine on humans. He wrote to a friend, I have demonstrated this year that one can vaccinate dogs and render them immune to rabies. I have not dared to treat humans bitten by rabid dogs. He even considered testing it on himself or on prisoners who were scheduled to be executed. But that changed when three frightened people, including one frantic mother carrying her nine-year-old son, entered the lab. The mother begged Pasteur for help. But the idea of giving this boy the new treatment was no easy decision for Pasteur. He still wasn't convinced that his new vaccine was safe for humans. What if it turned out that this new vaccine didn't work and killed the boy? With the help of a couple colleagues, they determined that the boy most certainly had rabies and would most likely die. And dying from rabies was an awful death. Soon they all agreed to test this new treatment on the young Joseph Meisner. One person who didn't agree with this was his faithful assistant, Emile Rowe. He thought testing the vaccine on a child was wrong and walked out. He refused to talk to Pasteur for weeks. Pasteur began with an injection of a small amount of 15-day-old rabbit spinal cord liquid and then over the next 10 days gave him 12 more injections. While they waited to see the results, Joseph happily played with chickens, rabbits, and other laboratory animals. While Joseph had a good appetite and slept well at night, the same can't be said for Pasteur. The emotions of the situation were almost too much for him to handle. He swung back and forth from hope to fear. Perhaps one of the greatest medical facts of the century is going to take place, he wrote his son-in-law. 
During the day, he was hopeful, but at night, while he lay in bed, dread filled his thoughts. This will be another bad night for your father, wrote Pasteur's wife Marie to their children. He cannot come to terms with the idea of applying a measure of last resort to this child. And Pasteur was known to say, it's a risk I should never have taken. I've also read some sources that say what he did was technically illegal. Testing a new vaccine on a human patient wasn't allowed. And if Joseph had died, Pasteur could have faced criminal prosecution. Not to mention that Pasteur lacked a medical license. Hope began to grow as time went on, and by July 27th, 19 days after the boy had been brought to the lab, Louis believed that he had defeated rabies. Joseph and his mother were able to return home, with the instructions to write often about how Joseph was doing. Pasteur even gave them stamps needed to mail the letters. Month after month, he received messages with good news of how Joseph was showing no signs of the disease. Not long after, Pasteur published a story of Joseph Meisner's treatment in a report to the Academy of Science. The story became a worldwide sensation. Opinions of Pasteur were very divided. While many thought it was a great thing, others thought it should not have been tested on a human. And still others thought it was way too early to announce a cure. Even Rowe agreed with those who thought Pasteur was wrong to do what he did and refused to have anything else to do with the rabies vaccine. Still, however, people from all over the area who had been bitten by rabid animals began showing up at his lab, many without money looking for a miracle. Pasteur's lab became a full-time rabies clinic. Still, there were opponents who were looking to discredit him, and they found a way with a five-year-old girl who showed up at his door with her parents. She had been bitten by a mountain dog 37 days before. Too much time had passed and Pasteur knew it. Her parents begged. But if she died after being given the injection, and she surely would, he knew that many would most likely blame him for her death. And what Pasteur feared was precisely what happened. The girl died after getting the vaccine with a very emotional Pasteur at her side. Many blamed him for her death. But many still came, and many were cured. Some were not so lucky. And with each failed case, Pasteur took the heat. And there were many also who were not too happy about the way he used animals for his experiments. Eventually, more and more people started to accept the fact that this treatment does work. In April 1887, a report set up by the English government stated, it may be considered as certain that M. Pasteur has discovered a prophylactic method against hypophobia which may be compared with the vaccine against smallpox. It would be difficult to overestimate the utility of this discovery. Even Emile Rowe stated that it made a fitting end to Pasteur's career. As for Joseph Meisner, he lived to adulthood. He eventually served as a caretaker at the Pasteur Institute. He would often regale visitors with the tale of his time as the pioneering doctor's patient. I shall see always Pasteur's good face focused on me, he would tell them. Unfortunately, in 1990, ten days after the German army occupied Paris during World War II, Meisner committed suicide with a gas gun. He was 64 years old. His granddaughter said that he did this because he was overwhelmed by guilt of having sent his family away, thinking that this had resulted in their capture and death. In a tragic irony, they actually came back the same day he took his own life. Why 
won't you give him the shot? Your rabies vaccination works. Sometimes, in some animals, the vaccine isn't ready. But this is what you've lived for, Louis. How can I give them that hope? That boy is going to die. His father looks to you for life. For the life of his son. If that boy had been one of our daughters, what would you do? A little bit before I go, you know, some people have questioned if Joseph Meyer had rabies at all. I mean, the dog was never fully tested to see if it had rabies, so no one is quite sure. But you know what? I didn't really want to get into all that. We can guess, argue, and debate until we're blue in the face, and in the end, we still won't know. We will never know. We do know that the boy survived, and we do know that this rabies vaccine is effective, and a lot of people's lives have been saved since 1885. Anyway, how about the ending credits? You've been listening to Coffee with Jeff, a Zeus Brothers entertainment podcast. Links to all the sources that I used to write today's episode are available at Transistor.fm's Coffee with Jeff page for this episode. You can find a link to this page at the Coffee with Jeff website. If you've got a few coins that you can afford to donate to keep this show going, we'd love you for it. You can do this by contributing to my Patreon page. Just go to coffeewithjeff.com for more information. And hey, tell your friends about the show, won't you? You can email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com for any reason. You can follow me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is coffeewithjeff, all one word. And I have a Coffee with Jeff Facebook page. You're encouraged to suggest story ideas using any of these platforms. I'd like to thank my wife of 35 years for being my wife of 35 years. David Metzger for designing the Coffee with Jeff logo. Kelly Rickard for writing and performing the Coffee with Jeff theme. And to all of you who listen to the show every week, thank you so much. And I want to throw a special shout out to all those that repost this show on social media. You have a special warm place in my heart. Take care, remain healthy, and I'll be back in two weeks for my 200th episode. Coffee with Jeff. Some coffee.